0: Alright guys, welcome back to Believe in Betting. We are taking a look this week, week 14 in the NFL. Week 14 in the NFL brings us, oh, a lot to go over, right? Last week, I warned about a lot of divisional road favorites and how they cover in big-time numbers, double digits all over the place. And this week, kind of what I'm going to concentrate on here, guys, is the complete opposite. We have a lot of home divisional games, and they are lifted and inflated totals and lifted and inflated numbers. And we're going to have to kind of work through this and see how I'm going to approach that a little bit differently than the real skepticism that I had last week. Well, we talked about last week, and I hate laying double digits, and I reiterated that time and time again, and I can't stand laying double digits in any game, but especially on the road. I absolutely can't stand laying double digits on the road in division. I don't like to give road division games away anyway. Now, this week, it's a little bit different. I don't mind giving a big number. I don't usually mind giving that big number if I'm at home. But the divisional part still scares me. So we'll go through all the games, and I'll kind of give you an idea what we're talking about here. So we'll start off with the Thursday night game, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. This line is about three. It's moved up from three and a half. It was sitting at four. Now it's falling back down to three. And, you know, Pittsburgh's a, a unique situation and a unique case. And if you listen to uh, all of the Believe episodes that I've done here, in episode number two, we talked to Ryan Shazier, and I tried to get a feel of him from him about the Pittsburgh Steelers and what exactly this team was this year. And I think a lot of us are sort of confused. Look, we know that the Steelers have to run the ball effectively. And now in this game, they're going up against one of the worst run defenses in the league. They've completely fallen apart. You can pass on them as well. Their secondary is a disaster. But losing Everson Griffin, losing Daniel Hunter, these were impactful moves up front. Eric Kendricks was out last week. Anthony Barr is banged up. So while, you know, everyone's going to concentrate on Dalvin Cook being out and Adam Thielen from Minnesota, I think a lot of this is, can Minnesota, uh, you know, stop anybody? Can they stop Harris from running the ball? But Ben Roethlisberger looks pretty good. The last couple of weeks, he's looked good. And maybe it's the idea that, you know what, he sees the finish line to his career. And he wants a playoff game to be part of that script, that last ending. Because, look, he's going to move on from Pittsburgh. I don't think anybody else is really jumping up and down to go grab Big Ben. And I think this is more of a situation where he is going to retire. And he kind of knows that. Well, let's talk about it from a betting aspect. Look. The Steelers sacked Lamar Jackson seven times, right? Five times in the regular season before that is the most that Jackson's ever been sacked. Pittsburgh is now on pace to sack the quarterback in 50 times. it will be the fifth straight season. Unbelievable number. Well, what about what? 44 and a half sacks in 38 career games in Heinz Field. He's collected at least half a sack in 25 of the Steelers' last 28 home games, including 22 of the last 24. Watt is going to be a problem on Cousins, who now is down one of his wide receivers and also is down his starting running back. Madison is good. But look, what Madison is, is he's good. That's it. He's not great. So I think that this is going to be a lot of pressure. But at the end of the day... You know, we could talk about Kirk Cousins in primetime. We could talk about Kirk Cousins and the fact that he is one in four in primetime games and his one win came against a Cooper Rush-led Dallas Cowboys team. Sure, that stands out. But what stands out more here is how Ben is going to have to play. This is a game where I just don't go near. I know that. I just cannot go near this game. But I look at the game and I go, you know, if I'm leaning to a side... I'll take Pittsburgh with the points only because they're getting points. If Minnesota was getting three, I'd probably go Minnesota getting three. Let's go on to a divisional game, and here's where it starts to get. The rubber meets the road, so to speak. Baltimore takes on Cleveland in Cleveland. Baltimore is a a one-and-a-half-point underdog. They are coming off of a bye week, the Browns, and it's a weird spot because the Browns are coming off of a bye week, but they just played Cleveland, right? Uh, I'm sorry. They just played uh, the Ravens. So, Cleveland had a game against the Ravens, bye week, game against the Ravens. The first time that's happened in 30 years, okay? We just never see that happen in the NFL. And it's hard to beat a team twice. It's hard to beat a team twice two consecutive times. Both of these offenses are just flat out struggling right now. You look at it, and the Ravens won the last four meetings against this team, so they are owning that that, this team. I get it. But it's been more than a month since either one of them have scored 20 points. Do you feel comfortable with either one of these offenses? Because I don't. And you look at the Browns and you go, maybe I feel a little bit more comfortable in them because they were getting a little bit healthier. And you got to figure that two weeks off is going to help Baker Mayfield. But now their offensive tackle, their star offensive tackle, Jack Conklin, Torres Patilla 10, and he's out for the season. That's a big hole for them. Well, speaking of a big hole for them, well, the Ravens lost Marlon Humphrey, clearly their best cornerback in an area where you can pass on this team all day long. You talk about the rushing attacks. They both have top four in rushing attacks, and they actually have rushed for the same exact amount of yardage this year, 1,765, which is pretty crazy to think about, but you know where the bread and butter is. My thing is this. I would be all over Cleveland if I believed that Baker Mayfield was healthy, because you can exploit Baltimore deep. You can exploit Baltimore in the secondary, especially now with Humphrey down. I just don't know if Cleveland's going to do that, and their history says that Harbaugh knows how to beat Stefanski. I'm sorry, that's just the way that it is. So another tough, tough game. Jacksonville, Tennessee. Here's the spot that, uh, one of the spots I mean. Tennessee is a 9.5 or 10-point favorite. They are at home, but it is a divisional game. Now, Tennessee is coming off of a bye week. They are 3-0 coming off of a bye week with Mike Frabel, which is really good. But they're still trying to get healthy. A.J. Brown is still out here. Derrick Henry will still miss this game. Ryan Tannehill has been a shell of himself. So you hope Julio Jones could get healthy and maybe come back for this one. And there's speculation that he can, but that's an unknown. And even if he does, you got to expect some kind of rust from Julio Jones. The Jaguars, meanwhile, are playing pretty decently against the run but you could pass on them. So they need a Julio Jones in there. Since Derrick Henry went down, Tennessee has not rushed for more than 70 yards on average. They just can't get a ground game going. So they're going to have to go to the air, but that's been a problem for them as well. The Jaguars, by the way, can't have any faith in them. Look, I've put my faith in them. I've told you they've been playing well at times this year, but they've averaged 12 points per game over their four-game losing streak, and right now, they can't get an offense going. I like Trevor Lawrence, but there's something broken in Jacksonville, and it's Urban Meyer. James Robinson came out on... Jacksonville television and basically said, look, I want the ball more. I don't know why I'm getting the ball more. And neither do we, James, because James Robinson is the guy that you give the ball to 20 plus times, especially with a struggling franchise. And they're just not doing it. I don't understand what's going on in Jacksonville. I know this is an inflated number. Normally, this would be a number in division. I'd be all over it with a Jacksonville team seemingly nobody wants to bet. The public is pounding Tennessee off of a bye week. Normally, I'd be all over Jacksonville, but I can't do it here. I just can't go near them, not in this spot, not when they're averaging 12 points per game over the last month. All right, here's another one. Kansas City Chiefs. This is another inflated line. It's nine, nine and a half against the Las Vegas Raiders, or maybe it's not because the Chiefs have put together really one complete game this year. where you felt really good about the offense and really good about the defense. And that was in week nine, when Patrick Mahomes threw for 406 yards, five touchdowns and humiliated the Raiders in Las Vegas. Now you go to Kansas City. Now the Kansas City Chiefs defense is the show right now. They are making this click. Right now, Kansas City has a defense that's allowed 11 points per game over this five-game winning streak, the Kansas City Chiefs are dangerous because if Mahomes finds success, there's no stopping a defense that is allowing just 11 points per game. The Chiefs are number one in the scoring defense column over the last two months as well. Kansas City is getting better as the year goes on. Maybe it's not the way that we thought they would get better with Mahomes is just dominating. No, but they are getting better as the year goes on and the Raiders still have Raider-type problems. If you take out that Thanksgiving game that everybody watched, I told you, it's the highest-rating game since the 90s, right? Everybody watched that game. If you take that out of your lexicon and take that out of your mindset, well, the Raiders have lost four of the last five. So they it's all losing, and it's all not, not being able to push the ball downfield, and they still can't run the ball. This is a team that just cannot run the ball with consistency. Darren Waller's banged up. I have no confidence in the Raiders here. So another spot where you think, you know, I kind of want to take the Raiders plus the points. Now I think the Chiefs are probably going to win and more than likely going to cover here. I don't think I'm going to lay it because I hate doing it in division and now it's creeping towards double digits. But if there was a spot, this might be the team. This might be the time. Patrick Mahomes might all of a sudden turn a corner and get right against a team that he just absolutely dominated just a couple of weeks ago. New Orleans at the Jets. Well, this game is who's going to play. If Alvin Kamara plays, the New York Jets are really susceptible to the run, and they're susceptible to that short passing game that Kamara can bring. If he doesn't play, the Saints offense starts looking real barren. And when I'm talking about real barren, Taysom Hill has a finger injury. I don't know if he's going to play. It looks like Trevor Simeon's going to be the guy. Trevor Simeon has a 57% completion percentage. Yeah, that's a problem. Having a 57% completion percentage at any time is a problem. But if you have weak wide receivers, which the Saints do, and the – potential of maybe you're not going to have Kamara. yeah this is a serious problem the jets do the jets do rank 30th in the NFL in run defense 133 yards per game so you can run on them but you need the Bodies in there I can't lay nearly a touchdown on the road with Trevor Simeon and a potential I mean a possibility that maybe Kamara is not in there because it doesn't look like Ingram's going to be there so read the reports this week guys read the injury reports if Kamara is in there I like the Saints to win still not sure I want to lay the six with Trevor Simeon if you had Hill and Kamara I'm laying the six all day okay without that I tend to lean the Jets All right, Cowboys, Washington, here's another divisional battle, except this time the road team is laying four and a half points at home. Uh, Washington is getting four and a half, and at home Washington getting points for the last month has just been that beautiful thing that bettors are looking for. They are still an undervalued team. They're taking on a team that everybody loves to go bet on in Dallas. Washington swept the series back there in 2020, and I know this is a new Washington team. Taylor Heineke is new uh, for everybody kind of to adapt to. Antonio Gibson finally getting healthy, so he's running the ball effectively, which Washington hasn't been able to do. So it's new for us to understand how good they are, and especially defensively, right? I mean, Washington's defense has been really good, and you start to look down, who has Washington beat this year? Well, pretty good teams. Right, I mean, they have Washington has beaten Tampa Bay and Tom Brady during this stretch, but I do worry about the Washington passing attack. Landon Collins might be hurt. Their star safety might not play in this one. He didn't play last week. They also allow 264 yards per game. That's third worst in the NFL. So you can pass on this team. Now, Dallas knows that Ezekiel Elliott has lost a step. Tony Pollard looks good, but they don't seem to trust him. What do they need? They need Dak. Well, good thing for you Dallas Packers, because Dak Prescott since his rookie year is 7-1 against Washington. He's won seven of those games by an average of 14 points. He loves to beat up on the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins. He loves to have field days against them. Cooper's coming back, and he's healthy. It looks like CeeDee Lamb is going to be healthy. Gallup looks like that. Added bonus receiver. Schultz is still good out of the backfield. If Dak Prescott and this team goes to the air, I don't know if Washington can keep up as good as their offense has played. So I don't like laying the points here. As a matter of fact, I was all over Washington. But Landon Collins' injury, and then I started reading about this passing attack and how bad the defense can be, and it got me a little gun-shy. How about the Atlanta Falcons? Carolina will move on there. Carolina's a three-point favorite in this spot. And you look at the Carolina Panthers with a bye week. I don't like what happened during the bye week because they went into the bye week with clear, obvious problems. Joe Brady was not one of them. Offensive coordinator is gone. This guy might get a head coaching job, and he's gone. He's out of the team. During the bye week, you expect Matt Rule to fix some stuff. I still respect Matt Rule, but... One of the problems was, look, Cam Newton's just not the guy, and he's not the guy for your future, and he doesn't look like the guy for now. All of a sudden, well, Cam Newton looks like he's the guy for this game. These two teams played on October 13th to a 1913 final, so it's an ugly game. I expect Matt Rule to just say, look, we are not going to even attempt to throw it here. Let's get the ground game going. Run, 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 Chuba. Hubbard, I expect to have a big game. I expect that big, heavy run approach. And Atlanta really can't counter that. They cannot run the ball. Cordell Patterson, you can call him what you want, safety, wide receiver. He's, He's playing running back, and he shouldn't be. And he's playing running back because Mike Davis has not been that running back. He had a decent game last week. I know he scored a touchdown. But overall this season, he's just not played the running back position. Matt Ryan is fine, but when you don't have anybody to throw to, Russell Gage is getting double teamed at this point because they just don't have the weapons so Carolina at home makes a lot of sense I just don't know the loss of Joe Brady and how much that's going to impact this team I tend to think that Matt Rule is a really good head coach but I also know for a fact that Joe Brady was a good offensive coordinator and he's gone all right, 1 o'clock game is a game nobody wants to touch. How about Seattle at Houston? Seattle is now 8.5-point favorites. This is open at 6.5, and, and people are all over the Russell Wilson is back, and Seattle's perfectly fixed. Uh, all of a sudden, here we go. And I'm going to tell you, no, that's not true. They are not perfectly fixed. Now, a lot of this probably has to do with Davis Mills is probably going to get the start. And David Culley released his best defensive player this week in Zach Cunningham. Instead of waiting until the end of the year, he said... I got a locker room full of players that understand what our standards are. They look at me cross eyed when I'm not practicing what I'm preaching. So we let them go. This total, even though the line has gone up, the total's gone from 45 and a half down to 41 in some spots, which tells you they just expect Seattle's defense to step up. And I go, what? Why? Seattle's defense is ranked 31st in defense, but their offense is also 31st, so it's terrible all around. The Texans rank 32nd in the league in run defense. But Seattle's big problem this year. I know Russell Wilson was broken, and I know he's been banged up, and I no, he didn't really look good until last week when he came back against San Francisco, but their big problem, they cannot run the ball. Seattle can't get a consistent running game. Two weeks ago, Russell Wilson was the leading rusher for six, with 16 yards and two carries. I mean, that is just not going to get it done. Houston's catching points. Houston is at home. I wonder what the cutting of Zach Cunningham is going to do to this kind of Houston team. I don't love Davis Mills, okay? And I'd feel a lot more comfortable if I was 100% sure Tyrod Taylor was going to start. But in this spot where we sit right now, uh, I have to make the determination that it's probably going to be Davis Mills. I won't touch it, but I'm leaning Houston in the points here. Detroit, Denver. Hey, Detroit got their first win, right? Everyone's feeling good about Detroit. Oh, first win. Here we go. Oh, great. Fantastic. Detroit doesn't know how to handle success, or maybe they do, but I haven't seen it, and neither have they. What I watched was Dan Campbell celebrating like a schoolgirl uh, that just won the Super Bowl, right? I mean, this guy was going crazy in the locker room all of a sudden. He was he was doing backflips because they won one game. Well, now they have to go on the road after winning one game and going to snowy, cold, nasty Denver, and they're catching eight and a half points. That's fine, but they haven't looked great on the road. This is one of those teams that I believe they wanted that one win. They wanted to prove the point. Give me one win. And let's get that under our belt. And now once that's done, what else is there to prove? You're not making the playoffs. What are you out there kind of laying it all on the line for? I think we're going to see a lot about Campbell as a coach here. Denver, by the way, tough defense. They are at home. They still are in a playoff chase. They may have found something interesting with Williams, who everybody in the fantasy community was screaming, look, get this guy the ball. But their offense, you know, there's so many weapons. They just cannot seem to get over the hump. I do like their defense, though. I like Jackson. I like Sertain. And I think that they're going to have a good time kind of Just completely shutting down this Detroit offense. I don't believe in Jared Goff, but he did look good last week. And there's an opportunity there for Goff to kind of create his own momentum. He wins two in a row. People are going to look at Jared Goff a little bit different. And Denver's not an impossible team to go out there and beat. I don't love them laying eight and a half here, but I'm not taking the Lions because I don't know the mindset and the emotional mindset of what the Lions must be going through. Giants, Chargers, all of a sudden, this one got interesting. The Chargers are a 10-point favorite, but the Giants, they may be going to Jake Fromm from State Fromm, right? They might be going to Jake Fromm out of Georgia. That might be their starting quarterback a week after having a backup quarterback. So you're third on the depth chart at quarterback. They're wide receivers. Kadarius Toney's banged up. Galladay can't catch a cold. Saquon Barkley looks done. And then you got the Chargers on the other side. All right, cool. They should easily win this by 10 points, no problem. But they're going to have to run the ball, which they don't do effectively. Austin Eckler is much better catching the ball out of the back. Field, then they are running the ball up the middle and you look at a Chargers team here. Mike Williams is going to be out. Keenan Allen has COVID potentially and you might be down your number one and number two wide receivers in a spot where the Giants look, say what you want about the Chargers and their defense and they do get after the quarterback and they do have a pretty good safety and they have pieces. They can't stop the run. They allow nearly 150 rushing yards per game. If there's a spot where the Giants go, look, we got a third-string quarterback. We're just going to run Saquon Barkley into the ground. It is here, and they may have success with this. But the Giants are 1-5 straight up on the road this year. That's a problem. And the Chargers, look, how do you find any consistency with this team? I do think Herbert can have a good day, even without his wide receivers. But I'm very, very worried about that. All right, San Francisco Cincinnati is the, the closest line of the week. I've seen it basically a pick 'em. And, you know, this is a separation game. Both of these teams need the win, clearly. Now, both of these teams have been riding momentum the last couple of weeks that they are really, really good. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of came back to earth a little bit. Joe Burrow is leading the charge here, but I think this is Joe Mixon's type of game, and I think just Joe Mixon's got to be the guy here late in the season. San Francisco, they lost Debo Samuel, and then they fell apart. But I think the Seattle loss is more of a determination of, well, you know what? Russell Wilson and P. Cal just have our number. And I'm willing to just chalk that up here, but this is a game where it's on the road. Cincinnati's defense is better than we thought that they were going to be. Maybe they're better than most people give them credit for, but they do have a problem covering the tight end. And that's an issue right here because where we're looking here, the tight end is George Kittle and he could have an absolute field day. Look like he broke out last week. They don't have Devo Samuel. If they could contain George Kittle, you know, I know is going to run on them, but I think Cincinnati could pull out the win if they can do that. All right, Bills, Tampa Bay, everyone is just chalking the Bills up to to, to dead. They're dead, they're buried, they're done, because they lost a windy game on basically a last drive, and that's that. And all of a sudden, the New England Patriots are the greatest team since sliced bread. Oh, they're amazing, they're back. They are actually right now on the betting line. They are Super Bowl favorites that's right they are super bowl favorites guys and you look at this team and you go super bowl favorites yeah why because they lost they won a game on a late, late weird monday night i mean look i like what bill belichick did and that was his masterpiece okay he had a navy mask on before time because he was going to run like navy it was a masterpiece and a masterclass by bill belichick With that said, it also showed me they didn't trust Mac Jones against this defense because this defense is designed to stop the pass, and here we go. Tom Brady comes in. He's leading the charge, uh, plus 160 to win the MVP. Next closest is Aaron Rodgers, plus 600. And you look at Tom Brady, and you go, you know— is he going to be able to put his ego aside and just run Leonard Fournette? Because you can run on the Bills. That's been proven. Taylor did it. Uh, you look at Henry did it. And now New England just ran for 200 yards with Harrison Stevenson. So you can run on them. And Leonard Fournette's looked really good. But their passing game is what you're, they're asking you to do. The Bills rank second in the NFL in scoring defense as well. So they're hoping people make mistakes. Now, Tom Brady... Owns the Buffalo Bills. And this is what you're going to hear all week that Tom Brady in 35 attempts has won 32 games. He's 32 and 3. He owns them. But wait a minute. Let's look at Tom Brady owning them and look at Bill Belichick. Because this is more of a Belichick thing than a Brady thing. And let me prove it to you. Belichick is 26 and 5, okay? And he just just schooled McDermott. But McDermott has schooled Brady, even though he's 0-6. McDermott has not won against Tom Brady. But in the six games that he played against Tom Brady, or he designed plays against Tom Brady, Tom Brady only had four touchdowns and five interceptions. He only averaged 225 yards. Now, that could be a design, it could be a game plan, or it could be the fact that he just has Tom Brady's number. I think we're going to figure a lot of that out, but I'm not ready to say that they are dead and buried the Bills. No, No way, no how. All right, let's go to Chicago, Green Bay here. And this came out late in the week that Justin Fields will start. The line is still 12, 12 and a half. It didn't really matter. And why? Because Aaron Rodgers just owns the Bears. And he told them that too. In Chicago, he said, I own you. That's got to stick in a lot of these Bears defensive players' craw, right? I mean, that's got to be a problem. The Packers do have a chance to wrap up the NFC North year. They did have a bye week, so they're getting healthier. Do we don't have to look at Aaron Rodgers' disgusting foot? And we know that they're getting a little healthy. And they're at Lambeau. Look, they don't lose at Lambeau at all. They haven't lost this year in 2021. Aaron Rodgers is also 72-1-1 when leading at the halftime in Lambeau. Hey guys, you halftime betters, yeah, that's something to pay attention to. We all talk about the, you know, the Sean McVay at halftime stat. Well, here's the Aaron Rodgers one. And you look at Aaron Rodgers in the month of December. No matter what happens, the guy wins in the month of December. The guy wins in the month of December. I'll say it again. The guy wins in the month of December. Aaron Rodgers is 22-3 and three in the month of December at home in his career. That's an 880 winning percentage. He doesn't lose in Lambeau at home during December. As a matter of fact, he's fantastic there. 56-6 and six touchdown to TD ratio in December. Then we go to the Monday night game. And this is the game where I think people are, are, you know, really reacting in a way that I didn't expect because this line opened up as Arizona three-point favorites and you go, okay, no problem. Now it's all the way down to one and massive money's coming in on the Rams. And I got to say, I just don't understand why. Murray is back, and Hopkins is back. He proved out last week. Murray was even running all over the place, okay? The Cardinals, the last time they saw the Rams, they beat them, and they broke an eight-game losing streak to them, so Kingsbury was getting owned by McVay. All right, maybe that's the reason you're going into this, but I'm going to give you a little bit more here why I'm confused, because the Cardinals since week four, uh, when they beat the Rams, right? Uh, Okay, so the Rams are five and three since then, right? And you look at this, and you go, the Rams... They're 5-0 against teams that are under 500, 0-3 against teams that are better than 500. This is a team that beats up on bad teams. They cannot beat good teams. The Cardinals are a very good team. The five teams that they've beaten since week four are 13-46-1. That is atrocious. They beat up on dreadful teams, not even bad teams, dreadful teams, Meanwhile, the Cardinals plus 12 turnover ratio are not a dreadful team. They may be the best team in the NFL record-wise. They're kind of showing it. And Matthew Stafford, let's go to the Stafford problems. First of all, he's injured. We know that. But also, Matthew Stafford is 9-70 and against teams with a winning record. And he's never beaten a team That's five games over 500, which is exactly the spot that we're talking about here. This is a problem, guys. This is a massive problem. I'm looking at this, and my first reaction was, I love the Cardinals. All the money's coming in on the Rams, and I know it's a divisional matchup. I know it's Monday Night Football. I just don't know how you could bet the Rams in this spot. You may not agree with me to go out there and bet the Cardinals. You may not like that. But you cannot sit there and tell me you feel comfortable betting on the Rams. Not in this spot. I don't care how much they're getting. Well, this might be a pick-up by game time, and it doesn't matter to me. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. I'm Tom Barn for Believe in Betting. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.